Hi, thanks for taking time to tune into this week's podcast of Discovery Church. It's the Christmas season, and this year we are having a Christmas Eve experience from 2 to 3 p.m. at Nellie Carlson School or 4110 McTaggart Drive. It's Christmas Eve in YEG, and you don't want to be alone for the Christmas season. We would love for you and your family and your friends to join as we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Thanks, and have a great day. My name is Lauren, like I said, and we get the privilege of being the lead pastors here at Discovery Church. And we've been in a series called Love Came. When Jesus came just over 2,000 years ago, we believe that perfect love came. God says that God, our Bible says that God is love. So when Jesus came, love came. But over the last four weeks, we've been looking at what else in addition to love came when Jesus came, left his heavenly throne, came as a baby in a manger. What else came? And three weeks ago, we talked about how life came. Jesus said that I have come to give you life and life to the full. And two weeks ago, we talked about how friendship came. Not the kind of friend that's only there when you got money or the kind of friend that's only there when you, when you can give them a ride somewhere or you have really nice clothes on and your breath smells nice, you look good. No, a friend that is there in the highs of highs and the lows of lows. And then last week, we talked about how joy came and that great joy accompanies great uh, the, good, the good news, and the good news is, is the gospel, and that you can't have great joy without the gospel. Now, we can have some mask and some imitation of joy and be happy for a moment, but sometimes we chase the feeling of happiness instead of living and choosing joy day after day. Today, um, we want to talk about, this is closing out our series, P.S. Next Week, There Is No Service. Don't show up. Well, you could show up. Um, just don't be mad at us for not being here. There's no service on, on the 29th, okay? Don't come. Stay home. Listen to a podcast. Tune into Elevation Online. Do, do something. Just don't show up here because we will not be here. Uh, we are taking next Sunday to be with our families and, and friends. Um, but today I want to talk about uh, the, the greatest topic in all the Bible. Arguably, the... the, the the one topic that makes up all the DNA of Scripture. And it's called, it's this, it's grace. When love came, grace came. And I've titled this talk today, Embrace Grace. Just recently, I started going to a chiropractor. Now, I, was, I believed in some misconceptions about a chiropractor. I thought that the only reason that you would ever go to a chiropractor was if you were in a car accident or if you were hurt or you're in excruciating pain, that's why you would go. I also believe that once you start going to a chiropractor, you will always have to go to a chiropractor. So I have stayed away from a chiropractor for 36 years. I was like, 34? No, I'm 36. For 36 years, I've stayed away from a chiropractor. So I decided I had a little bit of a pain in my upper shoulder, and honestly, the only reason I went to a chiropractor is because I didn't have any benefits left for massage. <laughs> okay, so I was like, what's the next best thing? And I went to, went to the chiropractor for the very first time, and I walked in a little nervous, a little anxious, because it's new, right? So if you're here today for the very first time, I get what you're feeling. I get what you're, like walking into church can make you feel anxious. So we thank you for pushing back that anxiety and, and coming in and being a part of the family. We believe that this experience can be one of your, the best experience of your week. But I walked into this uh, doctor's office, and I was a little anxious, and I remember my name being called, and I went back, and I, I sat on the, the doctor's chair and he pushed a few things here and tapped a few things here and he's like, you're all done. Literally like three and a half minutes. And I'm like, I paid for that. Um, 
and, and I stood up, and nothing much changed. But when I stood up, I went to put my jacket on, and when I turned around, I, I noticed that my doctor had stepped over his chair and come in to get like to give me a hug. And for a moment, I was like, what is going on? I've never been hugged by a doctor in my entire life. And I'm like, this is kind of awkward. I'm kind of like, you know, what, like, I'm like quivering and shivering and tense. I'm like, uh, am I supposed And I'm a huggy kind of person. But he caught me kind of off guard. I left that doctor's off thinking, man, he didn't just care for my back. He cared for me. If you've been coming to Discovery uh, maybe more than twice, you probably know that I'm kind of a huggy person. I like a little side hug. Hey, how you doing? How was your week? Man, so good to see you. I, I, I don't mind hugs. One, I want us to know that you're seen and you're cared about and you're loved. That I don't just care that you come in through the doors. I care about your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday. I care about you. So I'm kind of a huggy kind of person, but every now and then, I'll go to hug somebody, and it's the most awkward thing ever. So you either embrace the awkwardness, or you embrace the awkwardness. <laughs> and it's typically the men that, that, that can't receive a hug, and they're like, like, it's like, what do I do? And they're like, they're like, do I hug back? I've never hugged anybody. We, we, we're, we're living in a generation where we don't have much physical touch anymore, right? Uh, and, and it's like, uh, all like tense, and, and we're not sure what to do, and eventually the awkward hug, and if I, if, sorry, this is just my humor. If I feel the awkwardness, I'm kind of like, I'm going to stay there for a little bit longer. Um, <laughs> But we twitch and we quiver. Sometimes we go in cold sweats. But that's kind of how we react when grace comes. That's how we often react when grace comes at us. It's awkward. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know what to do with grace. Now, grace is this, simply is the total unearned forgiveness. And lots of times when grace comes in, we stand there stiff, awkward, quivering until the embrace of grace lets go and we try to go back to our normal religious ways of trying to do all these lists of rules of do's and don'ts, trying now to earn our goodness or or earn our salvation or earn our our way to heaven once again. But the truth is, is that we need to learn to embrace grace and hug back. But grace for most of us... We can't even define it, let alone embrace it. So what, what is grace? Grace is the foundation of Christianity. We've already, we've already nailed that down. It's arguably the most important concept and term in, in the entire Bible. Webster's Dictionary actually de- has a, a defines grace. There's about eight definitions of grace, but this is one of the ones that comes closest to the biblical definition of grace. It says it's the unmerited divine assistance given to humans for, their re- for the regeneration of sanctification. Now, I know that that doesn't bring much clarity. Sanctification is a big word for becoming holy, becoming pure. But it's, it's fine to read definitions, 
But I want us to look at grace in action for a moment. And it's found in Luke 15. And in Luke 15, uh, Luke 15 is famous and a very popular chapter for the story of the prodigal son. Now, some of you may know the story of the prodigal son because there's a new hit series on Global that's, that's called the prodigal son. Well, that prodigal son is probably nothing like the biblical prodigal son, okay? But you've probably heard the term before, he's a prodigal son or she's a prodigal, um, they're coming back home. But Luke 15 actually has three parables that I think can bring some, some uh, understanding to grace this morning. And lots of times those other two par- parables get mixed up in because we want to focus on the prodigal son. But what's a parable? A parable is a story used in the Bible, a fictional story used in the Bible to teach a lesson. So these are not real stories that happen. These are fictional stories that Jesus told to teach us a lesson. But in in order to see this story for all it's worth, we have to understand what's happening when Jesus is telling it. We have to look at the context. And the context that Jesus is telling, uh, telling these three parables is this. Once again, the religious people, the self-righteous people, are gathered around criticizing Jesus. Why? Because he hung out with sinners. Because he hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes. People that you think that religious people shouldn't be hanging out with. Jesus was sitting in the middle of them while all the religious, too good, uh, the, the people that thought they were too good for everybody else was sitting around criticizing Jesus because he was in the middle of the people that he came for. And the first parable that we read about in Luke 15 is the parable of the lost sheep. And he describes a shepherd. Jesus is describing a shepherd who leaves his flock in the safety of their fold to go and pursue the one sheep that is lost. And this is what it reads. It says, In the same way there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. There is more joy. So what does Jesus do when he finds the lost sheep? He throws a party. He gets excited. And then the second story is the story of the lost coin. Jesus describes this des- a desperate search for something lost and the extreme joy that follows when they find it. It says, in the same way there is more joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. What did Jesus do? He he wanted the religious people to know that he was excited and was going to throw a party when he found what was lost. And I think if if you're here today and you've made a decision in your life uh, to give your life to Christ and and, and to, to do this thing called Christianity, I think Jesus is telling us something. Is that when people give their lives to Christ... Those who already have a relationship with Jesus should echo the celebration that is happening in heaven. And that's why I'm so glad that I get, that Shanley and I get to lead a church that is excited when people give their lives to Christ. That's why we get excited when we, when we look at numbers that 100 plus people have given their lives to Christ since we've launched in September of 2017. We always want to celebrate people turning from their old ways into their new ways. Or the Bible talks about being lost but now found or be old, being, being old made new. We want to celebrate with heaven. But here's the story that always overshadows the other two, and it's the story of the prodigal son. I want to read it. It's found in Luke 15, 
I'll get to Luke. Anybody tell me where Luke is? All right, I got it. Got it. This is what it says. Luke 15, starting at verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after, the younger son got to... uh, got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth. Squandered in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he, he, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of the country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to the son said to him, "Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son." But the father said to his servants, "Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and now is alive, and he was lost and is now found." So they began to celebrate. Luke 15. There's three stories, three lost things, and three parties. I think Jesus was really wanting the self-righteous people to know something. I think Jesus was wanting the religious people who thought they were too good for everybody else. I think he wanted them to know that the reason he came was to save lost people. Now those Pharisees and the, and the religious, the self-righteous people, can, can you imagine, like, I, I think they would have thought like, okay, well, I'm going, I'm going to chastise bad people. I'm going to make fun of them. I'm, I'm going to condone them. But throw a party? I'm going to, I'm, I, I want, I, I bet you they thought it was like, well, I want, I want everybody to pay for all their wrongs. Pay for their, their evil, absolutely. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm not asking them to pay for anything. I'm actually, well, I want to celebrate them. I want to get excited. I want to throw a party. That is grace in action. See, the religious people had a hard time wrapping their ruled, focused religion around that level of grace. See, grace was there in their midst as well. Jesus was there, wanting them to embrace grace. But what did they do? They quivered when when grace came in. They couldn't embrace grace. 
But let's look at these stories for a minute and and really see grace demonstrated. And this is really hard for us humans because we like lists and we like rules because we like to understand if we're doing good or if we're doing bad. And and that's where religion slips slips in. And we say it often at Discovery Church that we're not about religion. We hate religion. We're about a relationship. See, religion says do all these things and you'll you'll, you'll earn God's favor. But grace says, no, 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 you already got God's favor. But I want to ask you a question. What did the sheep do to be found? Nothing. Actually, I would think that once the sheep seen, seen his shepherd coming after him, being a dumb sheep, he probably ran further away. Anybody ever been a dumb sheep? What did the coin do to be found? Absolutely Nothing. Hung out with the dust bunnies under, under the PS3 waiting. PS3, is that even a thing anymore? <laughs> hey, nothing. But somehow when we re- read Luke 15, we like to focus on the prodigal son. And somehow we read this story of the prodigal son. And we like to focus on the humility and the repentance. As if that somehow earned the prodigal son his, his acceptance and his forgiveness by his father. But let's take it back. Like this is, this is, this is Jewish culture. That, that would not happen. Let's be honest, he's already burned all of his bridges. He took half of his dad's wealth, ran away, swallowed it all away, threw all the money away, and now he's coming home with his tail between his legs. He rebuked his father publicly. He slugged around with pigs in the mud. He dragged his family's name down. And we think somehow it was his repentance That had his father forgiving him. Now his repentance is important because if he didn't repent, he would have never humbled himself enough to come back home. But nothing he could have ever done would have made him be accepted again. Do you notice the little two-line apology speech in the middle of the parable? This is what it says. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I was thinking about it. You probably heard it said, it's not about the amount of the gift. It's about the thought that's put into it. Right? And I remember being really poor at times and have nothing to give and think about man can Jesus give me some thought give me something that's worth something and I can kind of picture him sitting next to the pigs and saying I got to go home but I can't go home empty handed I got no money I got nothing my clothes is ripped I, I smell I can't even bathe I've been, I've been with pigs which would have been a huge no no in Jewish culture and he said well I'll, I'll write a letter dad you are the fairest dad of the world I really miss playing catch with you. No, that's, that's garbage. Dad, father, dear. I have no idea where that accent came from. If I were to line up all the dads in the world and I could pick only one, it would be you. No, 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 that's garbage. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I bet you 
I bet you that letter was way longer than three lines or two lines. But what did the father do? Stopped him. He stopped the son from reading his letter. I'm no longer worthy. Let's, let's take that for a second. Where does worthy even come into it? I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. Okay? And every now and then they come to me and say, Dad, I've been really good. Can I have a present? More often, like this time of year. But what if they came to me and said, Dad, I think I've finally done it. I think I've finally been good enough. I think I'm finally worthy to be called your child. Sounds silly, right? I would be like, worthy? What are you talking about, son? Go and eat the dinner that I paid for. Go and put on the pajamas that your mom and I bought from Old Navy. Go and lay in the bed that, that my paycheck pays for the roof over your head. They're my kids. I love them. I care for them. I would give my life for them. I would do anything for them. It's not about good or bad and nothing will ever change that. They are my child. They're not my child by worth. They're my child by birth. Did you catch that? They're not my child by what they can do for me. They're my child by birth. And that's where the term comes in in the Bible where it talks about being born again. Being born as sons and daughters of God. Again, thanks for taking time to tune in today. Remember, Christmas Eve in YEG, December the 24th, from 2 to 3 p.m., we would love to see you and your friends and your family come together and celebrate the birth of Jesus. Nellie Carlson School, 4110 McTaggart Drive in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. See you then.